Oops. <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, July 13th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are studying on page 67. We are on the third or last paragraph of that page, and we're going to start where it says, notice that the word fear, and we're going to read through... Um, a couple paragraphs. We're going to go on to page 68, end in the middle there where it says, when it made us cocky, it was worse. And comments are going to be on both paragraphs. Today's readers are going to be Barbara E. for the 12 steps, Nancy H. for the 12 traditions. The readers of the text today are going to be Nessa R., Roz R., oh wait, let's back that up, Carmela G. for the 12 traditions, and then the readers of the text will be Nessa R. and Roz R. The reference number for Wednesday, yesterday, July 12th, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 10142, and the 10 a.m. meeting is 10145. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a vision for you, Big Book Study, our message is that people, people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Barbara E. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer, 
and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only knowledge for only for his knowledge. Nope, only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice this principle in all our affairs. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey and for allowing me to do this. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And now I will ask Carmela G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Carmela G. from New York. Thank you so much, Kelly, for your service. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for Overeaters Anonymous membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting the other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige Divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may be but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carmela. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Okay, so today we're in the big book, as usual, and we are on page 67. We're going to start on the third paragraph, which is also the last paragraph on that page. And we're going to start where it says, notice that the word fear, and then we're going to read through, go to page 68, about in the middle, um, and end where it says, when it made us cocky, it was worse. And we're going to comment on both of those paragraphs. So our first reader today is Nessa R., and I'll ask you to begin our reading. Nessa? Thank you. Good morning. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Can you hear me Okay. Yes, I can hear you. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. The short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So um, I've been taught in program that fear is just a manifestation of selfishness because fear really is not getting uh, what I want in the future and it's still what I want. And therefore, um, it is selfishness because that is the definition of selfishness. You know, selfishness doesn't mean I am a bad person. I don't care about others. See, uh, selfishness, just, selfishness just means that I want what I want. And not only I want it now, I want it in the future as well. And when I think that that's not, not, that's not going to pan out, then, um, then I become fearful. And it's because self-reliance fails me because there is nothing in my power that I can do to make it happen. You know, I'm trying to it is not within my control. So I'm trying to control the future. I'm trying to control other people. I'm trying to control outcomes of situations, you know, because of course I know what's best. I know what's best for everybody. I know that my way of doing things is the best way. And if everybody would just conform to my plans, not only they be happy, but I'd be happy too. Um, and so I'm relying here on myself. And as it says earlier on in the reading associated with the three, the show doesn't come off well. You know, not only I'm unhappy, everybody else is unhappy. And so fear cannot coexist with reliance upon God. You know, if self-reliance fails me, I cannot make things happen according to my little plans and designs. 
and it doesn't go far enough. You know, as it says here, you know, not only it doesn't solve the fear problem, it doesn't solve any other problem, and moreover, it creates more problems. And this is the experience that I have had. You know, now that I live um, a lot, a line most of the time, I hope, uh, with God's will for me and my environment, you know, I don't live in fear for the most part because I have faith in God that things are exactly the way they're supposed to be. And whatever God has in, in store for me, it's going to be just fine. It's probably be more than just fine. It's probably going to be even better than anything I could have conceived in my own little um, selfish, um, um, uh, compulsive overeating mind. And uh, I thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, one at a time. Who would like to share on the paragraph? Jackie B, Katie G from Boston, Barbara E, Charles A, Jesse, Barbara E, Wait, 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 hang on just a minute. Hang on just a minute. Um, okay, let me just tell you who I've got so far. I have Jackie D, Katie G, Matt M, Charles H, Vasa, Vasa O. Who else have I missed? Barbara E. Lindy Amanda. M. Barbara okay, E. Okay, I have Larry. Did Larry, did you say your name, Larry? I thought I heard Larry. Uh, maybe I'm hearing things. Okay. Um, Simma M. Simma? Yes. Yeah. I did. <laughs> okay, Larry K. Barbara E. Lynn S., did I hear you? Lindy S. Lindy. L I N D Y. Lindy. Yes, thank you. Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay, well, let's stop right there. Here's the list I have right now, and we'll we'll do it again in a little bit. Jackie D., Katie G., Matt M., Charles H., Vasa O., Larry K., Barbara E., Lindy G., Sima M., and Melissa C. So, with that lineup, we will start with Jackie D. Jackie, press star one. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Can I be heard? You can. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for your service. Um, Wow. Uh, Fear for me is the number one offender. Um, I have... I think I think I came out of the womb of fear. There was so much mishegas, um for my family, and my mother was always a fearful person. So I was always taught that um, every, every action, every reaction, every thought, everything I did affected other people, and I had to be fearful of that. I had to be fearful of the world. I had to be fearful of even my own father in the household. Um, So we lived on packs of lies and stuff. So when I finally started doing my recovery and working the steps and doing the inventory and dealing with the fear, uh, amazing things happened. All of a sudden I realized that, you know, I thought I had to control everything so that I could limit uh, my need for fear. What I had to do was I had to let it go. I had to admit every fear I had. 
um, deal with it. Uh, put it out on paper. This is what I fear. This is what it makes me feel like. And most of the time, it was because I was trying to manipulate and control other people. So I wouldn't feel fearful. But all it did was just spiral into more fear. Um, and I didn't realize that. Um, this time around, like I said, I've been in program a lot of years. And this time around now, working it, I started out with the big book uh, inventory, did it fourth step all different ways and then ended recently with another fourth step inventory and uh, I now have realized that fear is what I have to deal with when it comes up I know something is not right in the in my behavior or my thoughts so right away I do a 10 step spot inventory to deal with it um, so that I don't have to live in fear and like I so get it what the reader said um, I don't live and feel like I did before. You know, when a, a bottle of detergent falls on the floor, I don't go, oh, my God, look at this floor. I go, God, thank you for making me aware that I had it on the edge. And I have to now bend down and clean it up. Thank you for the awareness. You know, that's a change in my thinking. And that's because I was willing to deal with the fear and say, you know what, God, you handle it. So with that, uh, I just put it out there that there is fear, but it can be handled if I turn it over to my higher power and I face it. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. And next will be Katie G, and then will be Matt M after that. Katie, you're up. Good morning, Kelly. May I be heard? Yes, you can. Good morning, guys. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic. And I'm starting my timer. Yeah. I mean, I heard a speaker say once, you know, uh, Bill says my alcoholic life was the only one I knew. And for me, my fear-based life was the only one I knew. And a lot of old ideas and program like to fight fear, right? Well, if I'm fighting fear, I'm afraid. Or if, it, if I have fear, I can't have God. And I'd be like, okay, so I'm not going to feel fear. And I can't fight this, right? There's a series of specific questions that I go through to address fear. And when I came to this part, I was devastated. Why? Because I saw that every single decision I had ever made was not because I'm a liar or not because I'm an angry person, although I became angry, but because at my core, I was chronically afraid, the fabric of my existence. And it set in motion trains of circumstances, which brought us misfortune I, did, I felt I didn't deserve. What does that mean? I'm a supervisor. As I'm, I'm a manager, right, because I'm afraid. What's my fear? I'm not smart enough. I can't go to grad school. I can't be a psychologist. I can't be in healthcare. I need to be a manager. I'm never going to meet anybody, so I need to make enough money, so I need to be a manager. And if I'm not a manager, and these people need to follow my, and so I go into work, and I'm cocky because I'm afraid. So I'm telling you what to do, and the boss is saying, Katie, you can't talk to people like that. I'm like, what's the problem? I'm telling them what to do. I need to be a good manager. I need to get enough money because I'm relying on self, right? There's no God. Or I'm afraid I'm going to be alone, right? So trains of circumstances. So I'm with you, right? But then I'm going to Emily and I'm going to Matt and I'm going to Sarah and I'm going to Bob. And I'm saying, hey, I kind of like you too. Hey, be, be my backup, right? So if I break up with so-and-so, will you be my backup? Will you be my fifth? Will you be my fifth? Will you be my tenth? right? Because I'm afraid I'm going to be alone. And if you leave me, I better not be alone, right? That's setting the ball rolling, right? Because I'm a fearful woman and I'm relying on self. 
I'm manipulating, I'm lying, I'm condescending, I'm rude, because at my core, I don't believe I'm okay. And I'll tell you, as a recovered woman, I would be lying to you if I said to you I was not afraid. But I'll tell you what, here's what I do today. I stay entirely abstinent. I do my work, and I call you, and I say to you, guys, I'm scared. I feel the fear. Will you pray with me? Will you help me get to God? Will you help me trust that, you know, self-reliance isn't going to help and that God's got me? And I can tell you the things that God has carried me through because I listed, and for me, I know this isn't popular, but I listed a couple hundred fears, and I did the turnarounds, and it took me some time. But you know what? That time that I learned to do the turnarounds and teach me to do the work to get out of fear, The only thing, and I'll close with this, Kelly, the only thing that gets me out of fear is recognizing I have it and taking action contrary. Do I want to live in fear or do I want to live in faith? I got to do the work. And with that, I pass one more day. God bless you. Thank you, Katie. And next will be Matt M. followed by Charles H. Hello? Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt Angle Postal Over Eater. Um, set in motion, fear for me, set it, it did set in motion trains of circumstances brought us misfortune. I didn't do a lot of things because of fear. I, I didn't want to call that person on the phone to apologize to them because I was afraid they were going to reject me. I didn't want to pay this bill because I, I was afraid I, was, I wasn't going to have enough money to binge later on during the month. I did. I got myself in a lot of trouble with 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 my creditors and stuff because I'd rather binge the money away than uh than um pay the bill. And um, it's amazing how much um I got myself in trouble. I asked myself why I had some of these fears because some of these fears are very irrational. Why do I have fear of the authorities? I'm not doing anything wrong. Why do I have fear of my creditors? They just want their money and it's money that I owe them. Why am I avoiding like the plague? You know. I'm just grateful just for today. I don't have to be avoiding problems. I have to take my luck as it comes and fit myself to it and just take things as I, as I can one day at a time. And I'm grateful I'm here today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And next will be Charles H., followed by Vasa O. Thank you very much, Kelly, for your service. Charles H. a recovered compulsive overeater. If I feed my faith, my fears will starve to death. So it says, the text says that fear is an evil and corroding thread. It, it, it's like it's like ice. It freezes me, and I won't do anything. I'll give you a quick fit. This is how simple this inventory is. I am an, I am afraid of fear because it's because it's unknown. I don't even. I don't even do the self-reliance and finite self because that's a given. So I go right to the fear prayer after those first two columns. God, please remove my fear of fear and direct my attention to what you'll have me be. And in my opinion, God will have me face fear with faith, right? So, you know, I'm not going to, just for today, I'm not going to forget every every area and run. I'm going to face every area and recover. And it's so simple. It's so simple. But it should be classified with stealing because it, it, it steals my present. It uh it regurgitates my past constantly because it's I'm living in it and I won't move and I won't go anywhere. Um so so what I need to do 
is just is just review my fears thoroughly. And it's so simple. It's so easy. Right? It's so it's it's so easy. And remember the text says it's evil and corroded because I won't move. Yesterday they slaved me at work. And I do have a fear of going back there today and getting slayed. But you know what? God is with me. I spent some quiet time. I said, God, please remove my fear of going to work and getting slayed again on a Thursday and direct my attention on what you'll have me be. And what God said God, God will have me be, move, move. God spoke to me this morning and said, move. And I got some rest, and I'm ready to face all my fears today and recover. And with that, I pass. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Charles. Next is Vasa O, followed by Larry Kay. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive leader. Calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts, and fear, fear dominated my whole life. And I remember I did the fears twice. And when I gave them away to my sponsor, she said, oh, you did them twice, you know. One was very, very long because I lifted all my fears down. I mean, like, there were, like, hundreds of fears. Uh, for example, you know, I would list, list the fear and when the fear started, how the fear had affected my life and what should I have done instead. And, of course, anything that controls me, I control myself. So I... I list, I, I depend on myself. It was, you know, to, I relied on myself or, or I relied to get comfort from my husband. Like if I was afraid from something, I wanted him to talk me out, out of it. Because for me, it was like paralyzing, especially if somebody was really sick or somebody died. Well, you know, my fear started from my childhood. I went all the way back, you know, fear of the father, fear of the mother, fear of teachers, policemen, doctors, husbands, people losing my children to to death, fear of getting a job, fear of being not good enough, wife or mother, fear of dying, fear of getting cancer. I mean, I, I had lists all of them down, fear of people, fear of the future, fear of change, fear of experiencing myself to experiencing, being with other people, socializing, uh, they, it just dominated my whole life. I would, you know, I lived in isolation. I lived in my own world. I lived in my own house. I, you know, I did socialize with, like, my families, like brothers and sister-in-laws, but I was always preoccupied. I never felt good enough or smart enough. And uh, as I said, it dominated my life, and it's by the grace of God I became abstinent, and I worked through my fears. And I'm not saying I don't get afraid today. I, you know, it, it doesn't dominate my life, you know. I'm not paralyzed with fear. I go through my fears, you know. I can write about it. I can talk about it, and I pray. My final thing is like step seven. Fear is a character defect for me. Please, God, relieve me. I, I, I want to be relieved. I want to be free from these fears. And I'm not saying that I don't get a fear. I can get still get afraid, but it's not as paralyzing as it was. I can talk about it. I can, you know, tell people what I'm afraid of. 
And most of the fears never came true anyways, especially fear of, you know, my kids dying. Of course they're going to die. I'll wrap it up. Of course they're going to die someday. Of course I'm going to die. But I'm not living my life in fear today. Thank you for letting me share my path. Thank you, Vasa. Next is Larry Kay, followed by Barbara E. Thanks so much. Can you hear me okay, Kelly? I can. Good morning, Larry. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I educate about fear. I know a lot about fear. Yet I couldn't remove my fear. The thing about it is this fear is, 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 uh, is hardwired into our brains, and, and for good reason. You know, we have these, these networks uh, that run from the depths of our limbic system in our brain, right? And these networks are electrically and chemically uh, stimulated, and they produce fear. That's, that's what happens when, we, when we, we experience fear. Even in the absence of a fearful stimulus. So, so feeling fear isn't abnormal, nor is it a sign of weakness. It's, it's a capacity, the capacity to be afraid is a normal part of our brain. In fact, in fact, if, if you lacked the ability to feel fear, that's probably the sign of maybe brain damage. But it comes in a lot of different shades, right? And it was, it was actually the big book and this practical program of action that really helped me to be brought into alignment with my higher power so that I could feel fear appropriately. That, you know, that if there was a tiger released in the room that you're in right now, oh, you better feel fear. And you may, you may step on a few toes getting out of the room. That's nor- a normal response for the survival instinct, and yet somehow fear becomes debilitating. And, you know, what's interesting is that the humans are the most fearful creatures on the planet because of our ability to learn, think, and create fear in our minds. What the big book and these actions taught me as I began to write down my resentments, my fears, some of my, my grosser handicaps, right, that were debilitating, that were keeping me blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit is it helped to, as I mentioned, to bring me into alignment with my higher power so that fear of people and of economic security, it no longer owns me, that I have ways of being and ways of living on this earth so that fear is not my master anymore. You know, food was a master and it was embedded with fear oftentimes. I needed the food to numb me out from feeling anything, including too much joy, too much fear. Today, perhaps I'm more emotionally stable in the sense that I can feel fear appropriately. And I had to start by getting these fears down. Fact-finding, fact-facing process, right? Today, I I don't experience fear as debilitating. Thank God for this process. It's a process of action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And next will be Barbara E. followed by Lindy G. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you, Barbara. Oh, thank you so much. And Kelly, thank you again uh, for me. 
The addict in me is too strong and powerful for me. It lies, it cheats, it's nasty, it will do anything to destroy me. It convinces me that I'm always right and you are always wrong. I can't fight the addict, but God can. He wrestles with the addict, with my fears. I have to be diligent. For me, this is a war, but I have a superpower on my side. I have to do my part, though. I have to attend meetings, work diligently with a sponsor, study the big book, work honestly to do honestly and do service and take action and acknowledge the fears that people have been talking so eloquently about. God can overpower my addict. My program has the power of focusing me on my fears, first of all, fear of abandonment, fear of being overwhelmed at the convention, and I've signed up for it in spite of my fear. Fear of the summer of hell, as the press refers to the um, the traveling back and forth to New York. Fear of not being good enough, always not being good enough, being not being able to hold on to what I have, not being able to get what I want in the future. Fear for my children's safety. Fear had ruled my life because... The addict in me was telling me to be self-reliant, not God-reliant. And that's what I have to always remember. Uh, It will cheat, it's nasty, it will do anything, but I have a superpower, and my superpower is God. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Next up is Lindy G, followed by Sema M. Hi, this is Lindy. Can you hear me? I can. Great. And by the way, it's Lindy F, F as in Frank. Um, oh, sorry. No, that's no problem. Thanks for um, thanks for everybody who's sharing. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, I so relate to, to everything, and it's so good to be back on a meeting and hear this, and this is exactly where I'm at today and what I'm, I relate to fear being at the core and and completely driving my compulsive overeating. And I think that that is still happening today. Um, and the other thing that I'm hearing is the need to take action. And we always have steps uh, and tools available. And I need I'm hearing I need to do a 10-step on current fear. Um, I am taking action to move ahead, but I have a lot of fear about it. Um, And I have definitely fear of people in economic insecurity. Um, I'm afraid that I will continue to be stuck in the job I have. I'm afraid I won't move forward. I'm afraid I won't move forward in the way that I think I need want. Um, and as somebody said on this meeting, that's a lot about control and my conception and my idea of what I need and what I need to get, to avoid, to 
change, the have, um, and it's all wrapped up in control and fear. And my understanding is that the answer is to instead of self-reliance, to rely on my higher power into action with what I need with prayer and the 10th step. Um, so I am hopeful over either, and um, I am willing to rely on my higher power and take action today. Um, and I just really appreciate what's been shared, and I relate to it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Lindy. Next is Sema M, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. Uh, this is Sima M. from New Jersey, grateful compulsive overeater, living in recovery just for today. Uh, fear. I had such fear uh, that started in my childhood. And, uh, you know, because of abandonment, I was afraid of being alone. I wouldn't uh, let my mother out of my sight. I didn't have a key to my own apartment until I was 15. I just didn't want to be alone. Um, I came into this program when I was in my early 20s, and I was fortunate um, early on to meet uh, a guide who explained the 12 steps in the program, and where it says that fear will be removed, I believed it, and where where my guide told me fear is faith in the wrong thing, I believed that. and uh, as Larry just said, I was going to say the same thing, that there, although I'm not a scientist like he is, uh, that there is a reason to be fearful. If I'm walking down a dark street and I see a bunch of uh, thugs circling around me, obviously there's a reason to feel fear. But thanks to this program, what I do when I'm in situations like that is I just launch into a prayer in my head, and I keep saying it over and over and over again. And somehow I'm still living on this planet, so even though I've gotten myself into some sticky situations, uh, my higher power helps me get out of it. But uh, for the most part for today, I immediately go into, like I lost my cell phone two days ago, I immediately go into, okay, God, there's nothing to be fearful of. Everything will be all right. If I find it, I find it. If I don't find it, I'll get a new cell phone. And for the most part, uh, because fear is such a horrible place to live in, I am grateful, grateful, grateful to this program for giving me a way to uh, get out of it immediately and go into faith, because fear is faith in the wrong thing. And if I pray and I connect with my higher power, there is nothing to be fearful of. And I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for this meeting, and thank you for your service for my past. Thank you, Sima. Um, next up is Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And please find me because my timer is not working and I could talk for forever about this. Um, you know, fear is like what um, brought me to my knees. You know, it for me, it's what finally made me desperate enough that I became willing to do anything for victory over my compulsion. Um, you know, my my last 
binge. I, I wasn't even eating. Um, I say I wasn't even eating what I thought were my alcoholic foods. Um, and yet I was driving to work filled with overwhelming fear and like shoving what I didn't think was alcoholic food down my throat, but I was terrified and um, I was having panic attacks. And, you know, at that point um, I began um, really listening with intensity, you know, and I remember it was early on when I started listening to this meeting, you guys were up to this part and, um, and I wanted so much to get relief from what I was feeling. And yet I was really annoyed when I heard that, um, that this was a thief, that the, you know, fear was a thief and that I was setting the ball in motion, you know, that I was setting it rolling and that I was to blame for keeping this thief alive. You know, how could that be? Um, because if you suffered the tragedies that I suffered, you would see I had every right to be afraid. You know, that was what I thought immediately. I'm entitled to my fear. Um, don't tell me, you know, and, and then it was like, oh, wait a second. I'm saying I want it removed, and yet I'm saying I'm entitled to this, you know. And that in and of itself was the beginning of, for me, like a transformation. I saw it. You know, my desire was to cling to my fears like it was a treasure, like it was a badge of honor, like it was what I deserved. And, you know, and so how could I say that I want to be rid of this fear and yet I'm not going to let go of it? You know, um, it was for me, it was like, oh, this is just like the food, which I had said, I, you know, don't want to let go of, um, but I need to, you know, and, and it was like, okay, all I had to do was rely on God. And at this point, you know, I still really didn't have a relationship with, with God. I had a very small concept of a higher power, but one was forming, you know, and, and for me, that was hope. And, you know, God was nothing more than this pure spark of hope that got me to call in, that got me listening with like hungry ears. And, you know, I knew I had hope because I was here, you know, I was, I was committed to listening. I was telling someone my food. I was working with a sponsor. And so, you know, I found that my fears were removed. You know, it was crazy. As I relied on this hope, the fear began to get lifted. And it's, it's like I can't believe Hi. how powerful. Thank you. I can't believe how powerful this concept of a higher power is, that it grows to um, remove my fear. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. I'm going to share real quick here um, before we, then we'll open it up to the floor, mostly because I just wanted to say that it was fear um, two and a half years ago after 30 plus years that drove me to my knees and finally um, had me pick up these spiritual toolkit here in the big book. Um, you know, we hear about our disease as progressive, and I used to always think that just meant the food because my food was definitely progressive, everything about it. But also, you know, just the dis-ease of this of my problem is that was, you know, food's not my problem. It was my solution. My problem is all these underlying character defects and fear has been woven into me. And, you know, I masked it so many years with food and alcohol and drugs and spending and sex and you name it, whatever. And then I also masked it with all my character defects. You know, other people shared, you know, my grandiosity, my, you know, my arrogance, all those kind of things. So I'm like, I'm not afraid. And I barreled through everything. Well, the fear finally just, you know, um, 
progressed and progressed until I just couldn't stand to live. You know, that I was afraid to die, but the, every single day I dreaded it, and I was in so much fear. And so, you know, I finally picked up the spiritual toolkit, and what happened was, you know, it's been in there for so long, and I had to put down the food and finally realize what was going on. You know, it's like I always try to change the way I feel in any way I could. And so I am learning because of you guys in this program how to get through fear. I mean, my fears do come up. But like Melissa said, you know, I have choices today. I never thought I had choices. And what I get today as a gift of this program is I get to make deliberate choices with the help of you guys and my higher power. You know, I never had that. I was driven by my emotions. I was driven by my disease and my addictions and deliberate conscious choices of what I want to do with that. You know, I don't have to stay in it. You know, I can call somebody, I can work my steps, and, and bottom line is I go to my higher power, you know, and I don't have to stay in my scary head, you know, and I just, today, you know, the fears do come up, they're not debilitating, and I think that's one of the things I'm loving from the shares today is to hear that, because like other people said, I thought, you know, if I am really close to God, if I am really working this program, and this was my illusion for 30-something years, you guys, if I was doing everything right, these defects don't crop up. Oh, yeah, I know it says that in the big book, which gets pointed out to me often by my sponsor when these things crop up, not if. But you know what? If I was doing it all right, I wouldn't need this, pro you know. So I know that my defects, my fears, all these things keep me in this program and keep me closer to God. And I had someone share to me one day, you know, it's in our struggles. We find God. And sometimes I'm finding God in a really big way. And so I am just so grateful today I am not living a fear-based life thanks to this program. And with that, I'm going to uh, pass, and we are going to open it up. Who else would like to share Amy G. this paragraph? Hey, Amy G. Who else? Leah D. Leah D. Leah D. Rita P. Lauren M. Rita P. Lauren, what? Carmela N. Harper E. Okay, wait, let's stop, let's stop right there for a minute. I have Amy G, Leah D, Rita P, Lauren, I didn't get your middle or your last name, and Carmela G. And let's stop there because we may not have enough of that. Um, so Amy G followed by Leah D. Amy? Good morning. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. I, too, agree that you know, fear is not necessarily a bad thing. It's what we do with it that makes a difference. And for me, fear of dying also brought me into this program. That was a good thing. But fear, in other ways, was creating a recipe for disaster. I mean, what did we read a couple pages ago? Selfishness, self-centeredness. We have to get rid of it. It's the root of our troubles or it kills us. And when I coupled my fear uh, with my fear propelled by selfishness and self-centeredness, I had a recipe for disaster. I've heard in these rooms that there are three major fears, that most fears can be boiled down to three things, fear of not getting what I want, fear of losing what I have, and fear of being found out. And I had those fears. The common theme running through that is my selfishness and my self-centeredness. Clearly the issue here, and it's amazing to me that I used to think this before I was gratefully through working the steps restored to sanity, that food and a diet was the issue, that that was the problem. You know, a diet for me, as this type of person, riddled by fear, propelled by self-centeredness, you know, it was like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. No wonder none of those diets worked because my mind and my thinking was warped. My view and my perspective on life based on those self-centered fears was propelling me into a life of misery, pain, and terror. 
And no wonder I could never stay abstinent because it had to be a change. There had to be a change, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And I, and I, these steps take work. I mean, this is, these are revelations through the fourth and fifth step. I don't know about you all, but as a newcomer, I had no clue that I was living life just automatically based on fear and self. I had no idea. But the revelation that came in that column, that last column, was an eye-opener and an empowering thing for me to understand, accept, and then try to change. And then lean into a higher power because if self-reliance was failing me, what was I going to rely on? This is a spiritual malady issue. I had to stop playing God. I had to learn about myself, and I had to swallow some pretty tough things about myself. And then I had to be willing to change and rely on something greater than myself. This takes work. And I just want to throw out there one last thing is the fact that some people think they can work the steps while they're abstinent. I, I, that, to me, as the big book says, it requires entire abstinence where the food has to be down. If I can have any sort of clarity whatsoever when it comes to this kind of work, and work it does take, but this is the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. This discipline, these steps, this work, particularly the working steps of this program, are what brought me freedom to change and not have the food come a calling again. And with that, I'm so grateful. I'll pass. Sorry, this is Kelly. I'm back. Okay, thanks, Amy G. And Leia D. followed by Rita P. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Leia D. And I love puttering around the house and listening to all this and having everyone share from their heart. And I suffered from fear my whole life and didn't know it. And I was immobilized in it. And by today, by the grace of God, it's really gone. And that makes me chuckle. And I think for me, I think as as young children, I think in my life when I said, Mommy, I'm scared. And I think if Mommy answered, don't be scared, don't be a baby, that set up the premise for me, me not being able to be scared or understand what fear was. And I think coming into these rooms and finally understanding that fear was something that totally immobilized me, allowed me today with my higher power to be an unfearful person, which I really can't believe. I'm a woman who suffered from anxiety, panic attacks. Um, I couldn't go places. The world would start to twinkle. And now with my higher power, it's much better. I do still have fears. And um, the last time I traveled, I happened to be one of these people who doesn't like to fly. And before I traveled, and Larry, I'll, I'll mention a plug for you. Larry did a special edition called The Fear of the Corroding Thread in My Life. And I realized I'm flying Monday. And I'm going to go play it again because I had almost an 80% great flight. And fear is irrational things without God. And I have God in my life today, and I'm building that relationship slowly. So if there are any newcomers out there, please don't be overwhelmed by our exuberance and joy. Just take it slow and reach out to someone and say, how do you get over that? What do you do? What do I do when I'm scared? How do I work this program? And the promises will come true, and the fear will disappear, and life will be great. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Leah. And then next is Rita P. followed by Lauren. Good morning. It's Riva P. Grateful Recovery. Yeah, hi. Um, good morning. Good morning. Uh, what struck me is, you know, I didn't even know I was so fear-based. I didn't know I had all these fears um, before I came into program because I was so blocked with the food. So once um, 
I put the food down and started working the steps. That's when things were really difficult because when abstinent, you know, all the feelings would come up. So I realized I was really fearful and I realized for me, it's not so much feeling fear because feeling fear is part of being a human being, but it's what I do with the fear and how I perpetuate the fear and I exaggerate the fear and I blow it up and I catastrophize and I rehearse it over and over and over and over again until within a few minutes in my head, like it's a disaster and I've created a crisis and I need to run. Um, I need to run to safety. And what I used to do to run to safety was run to the food because it was so uncomfortable being in my head. Um, And another thing I've learned is because of the self-reliance being my problem, it's not my job to get out of the fear myself. I don't remove the fear. Here in step four, I'm listing the fears and I'm becoming aware of them. I'm uncovering them. But it's not my job to make myself unscared. I go through the steps, I go through the process, and I'm constantly deepening um, my relationship with my higher power who has to get bigger and bigger. Even this one, God can handle. And even this one that seems bigger, God's bigger than that one. And the other thing I wanted to say is when I do the step work, what I realize is looking at the fears, I'm still in this old belief that my serenity and my inner peace is dependent on external circumstances, whether they happen or don't happen. And I think by doing the step work, what I've come to learn is things might happen. Those things that I fear may happen, um, but I can still be okay um, no matter what happens around me. And that is the hugest um, miracle, and it takes work. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. And Lauren, we only have time for maybe a two-minute share if you want to do that. And Carmela, we'll have to put you on hold for maybe the second half. So, Lauren, can you give us a two-minute share? Sure. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? I can, Lauren. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for this wonderful meeting today. Um, I can't... How much fear I had is incredible. I, like everyone before me has said, this program today has relieved me or allowed me the chance to feel the fear that I never knew I had. Um, when I was younger, I, um, uh, I moved to Europe and lived several years in Europe. And, oh, my God, I was, they all said, you're so brave, moving abroad and whatever. And you know what? It was all based on fear. And I never felt any of that fear. And it's so incredible that only today do I realize that I have spent my whole life trying to not feel fear. And with that, I passed. Thank you all. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who shared. And I want to thank you guys for your support as I'm being a new moderator. I just really appreciate it. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today 
July 13th is 10148. Okay, so we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Roz R., will you read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only until keep you until then. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Okay, thank you very much, Katie, for your, um, not Katie, Kelly, for your Kelly. service. <laughs> uh, okay, um, I'm Roz R. Covered. I'm grateful to be here for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the happy road to destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.